Hey podcast family, before we get started on this week's episode, I wanted to come on and let you know that you are going to hear some blips in this week's episode. I left them in there instead of trying to re-record them. Lauren and I would have gladly re-recorded, but I thought that was you could understand what's going on and it was raw being able to hear her story the first time. So there are not that many, but there are enough to where you're going to notice them. But I pray that you will have grace and just allow the Lord to speak to you in this episode. And with that, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Agape Leaders Podcast. This week we have a very special guest as we are being joined by Lauren Bradford, a forever Miss Alabama. A few weeks ago, she gave up her title of Miss Alabama, and now she is on to the next phase of life. And so I'm excited for you to hear from her, and I'm excited to meet her. Uh, She and I have, have not met before today, so you get to be a part of my initial conversation. And so without further ado, here is Lauren Bradford on the Agape Leaders Podcast. Well, welcome in, Lauren. We're so happy for you to be here. Hey, thank you so much for having me, uh, Mr. Greg. I am so excited about today and excited about uh, what God's doing, what he's going to do in this podcast. So thank you so much. Praise God. Well, (laughs) the purpose of the Agape Leaders Podcast is to help people grow in their faith. And one of the ways that we do that is to allow people to just share their story. You know, God moves in so many different ways. How he's moving in your life is not how he's moving in my life, but he's still moving. And so would you share a little bit of your faith journey with our listeners? Of course, of course. Well, I always kind of start from the beginning. I I grew up in a household with parents who did love the Lord. And um, that is something that I definitely younger and didn't realize um, the gift that that was, but I grew up about him and in church and kind of had that stereotypical Southern upbringing, right? Like I always spent that stuff. So therefore I had a love of hedge about Jesus and about his disciples and what he did and what he did. But um, I don't know that I had a lot of heart knowledge until one day in sixth grade, Um, sixth grade, I went to Gulf Shores Elementary School. And just to back up a little bit, I I grew up in a beach tourist town of Gulf Shores, Alabama. So my upbringing was a little bit different. And the fact that everyone around me, it was very transient area, there wasn't a lot of stability and the students who are going to school with me and um, just a tourist town is an interesting place to grow up. And I was in uh, my sixth grade class one day at Gulf Shores Elementary and that's the oldest grade in elementary school. And um, one day uh, there was actually a bomb threat at the high school. And so the middle high school, elementary school are all on the same campus. And so we were told there was a bomb threat and we had to go up under our desks and turn the lights off and lock the door. And it seemed pretty routine. Like it seemed like they had everything control and I'm sure they did. But in that moment, um, as a young sixth grade girl, that was the first time that I actually 
what would happen if I died right now in this moment? And I actually got a fear for my life and I started becoming so anxious because I, wow, this could be the end. Like this, there's a bomb threat at the high school and I just took it to the furthest level of extreme. And mm. so it's so funny how God works because in that moment, I started to think about how do I want to spend eternity? What does death look like? And so underneath my sixth grade desks, desk with the lights off and um, the bomb threat and all that stuff, I ended up giving my Jesus and the Holy Spirit came in almost, I mean, immediately. And it's so cool how the power of our triune God works because um, once I gave my life to Jesus, I was given the gift of the Holy Spirit and before I was given the gift of mission as a sixth grade. And I thought to myself, if I just gave my life to Jesus and if all of us got to die because of this bomb supposedly at the high school, then and so still have this notebook somewhere, but uh, I writing down, I convicted me in that moment. I wrote down a strategic plan of how I was going to share the gospel to my wow. class during that little session of the lights off and, and uh, every, everyone being scared about the bomb threat. So I started going around and telling my classmates what had just happened to me about how I was learned about Jesus and it, I was given the Holy Spirit and how free I immediately felt. It, it's just, I kind of look back and laugh because I'm sure I had no idea what I was really saying and, and, mm. and definitely not eloquent in how I was presenting the gospel to my sixth grade classmates. But it's just so funny because um, that is a picture of like faith. And I think to myself, it is convicted by, that, by my younger self because all of my conversations of urgency that I had in that moment about sharing the gospel and sharing what she had done. And so I learned, I think about that a lot and about how childlike faith is so beautiful, mm. even when we're not children anymore, it needs to grow us. And that sense of urgency and conviction it is a testament to what his spirit can do in us. So that's the beginning of my faith journey. And he has been so faithful every single day. Uh, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I love that testimony. Uh, I have a question because you said that you're under the desk and you gave your life to Christ. So I thought that in order to give your life to Christ, you had to walk down the aisle and say a specific prayer. What did you say to the person who always believes you must say this prayer in order to give your life to Christ where you did it under a desk? Right. I just, I think that God chooses to meet us where we are. And so, so often that is not in the church pew, right? And so often we find ourselves on our knees filled with fear and filled with just uncertainty. And I think that God can come in in the most unlikely of moments. And that can almost be more beautiful than in the perfect moments, right? And I think that it is beautiful because I wasn't in a conventional setting, right? And I, it wasn't presented around people who had guidance for me in that moment. And God was my only guidance and his spirit was my only guidance. And so it's just so vivid in my mind, I think almost more so because of that, because I only had God to depend on for what was I supposed to say right now? I, I, I it was just, I was overcome with his spirit and he brought me to himself. And so I think it's a beautiful thing how God, is exactly where we are, um, sometimes so far away from the church pew. Yeah, I like that. I have 
been saying what I'm about to say. I don't even know how many times I've said it now. I started back in April. And what you're saying right now connects this. We talk about being in the church. We talk about proximity to the Lord. We talk about, I am the vine, you are the branches. And the thing that I have been, God has put it heavy on my heart, is this idea of the branch does, is it, it isn't that the branch is close to the tree. It's that the branch is connected to the tree. So if I go to church every Sunday and I go to Bible study, but I'm really not connected, the, the spirit of the Lord is not residing in me. Yes, I am around the church. Yes, I know of God, but no, I'm not connected. I'm not drawing. I'm not doing what Jesus Christ said. I am the vine. You are the branches. Well, what is the branch supposed to do? Bear the fruit. The tree uses the branches to bear the fruit. And so what you have just said, what you taught us is you don't have to sit. Yes. Oh, I better, I better pause. Yes, we do need to go to church, Big C. Why? It's so that we can use our gifts, have our gifts around the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So I don't want you guys to hear me say, you don't need to go to church. You, you need to go in the sense of you need to share your gifts. Somebody needs what God has put in you. But you don't have to be there in some certain setting in order for the Spirit of the Lord to come to you and to give you the option to say yes. And that's what Lauren, that's what happened to little Lauren, little sixth grade Lauren under a desk. You know, God loves all of us and he will. So I love, I love that. And, and that just reminded me, you know, the, it's the connection that God is looking for, not just the proximity of being at church. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good word. And, and to your point, one time I heard this analogy, not that long ago, actually, it's like you are going to the grocery store because you're hungry, but it's like running through the grocery store and leaving with no food, right? Mm. And we're not nourished from that we're just running in and out just as we went and and that's not as like you getting that nourishment from the root of the tree coming out to bear fruit and and i love that so much and god can meet us where we are we need that spiritual nourishment and that growth that comes from community of church but that's not always where god finds us and and where the most growth happens so good praise god so give us a little bit of you were miss alabama Excuse me, you are forever Miss Alabama. <laughs> uh, but right now, somebody else is the active right. <laughs> uh, Miss Alabama. And you were, now you're going to get your master's degree. But we talked about that before we came on. You know, how do you manage all of that and put Christ first? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. And, and um, I, you know, no one absolutely ever is perfect. And, and God to, reminds me all the time, because like what you were just saying, sometimes it's easy to get into the routine of feeling like I have so much going on. I mean, God, I'll come see you later, but God convicts me all the time. And I have to remind myself this all the time that it's almost like when we give our lives to Jesus, we have to surrender over and over again. And we come to the altar over and over again. I did not just surrender to God that one time in sixth grade underneath that desk, but 
I have to continually surrender myself to God over and over again. And also in the same sense, surrender all the things that I'm doing to God over and over again, because it's so easy for us to come to a place where we feel like we have everything under control, right? We want that as human beings. We really do crave control, but um, God teaches me so much that so much more beauty can come out of when we surrender the things that we're involved in and the things that God has called us to do to him. And I learned a lot about this in my pursuit of the job of Miss Alabama. My first year, I went into competing at Miss Alabama with zero expectation and just to have a great time. And I wanted to do well and win some scholarship dollars. But my second year, I came in wanting to win Miss Alabama so badly. I just had that desire and that urge. And so going into my sophomore year of college with that mindset, I unnecessarily sacrificed so much of my college experience and said no to so many things for the sake of pursuing Miss Alabama and thought about it so, so much every single day to the point to where it became an idol of my heart. And Mm. even though Miss Alabama was something that I know God had called me to, and I I really believed was going to be a part of my story, God convicted me of that over and over again, it became an idol. And I learned so tangibly how good things in our lives can become idols when we cling on to them too tightly. And so I, God broke me in that by allowing COVID to happen and influence Mm. the journey of Miss Alabama because it was postponed for one year. And so when I got that email that Miss Alabama was going to be postponed, I was crushed. And that's when I realized it was an idol. Mm. And so I think that God gives and takes away to show us, you know, he is ultimately the one that is the most beautiful author and writer of our story. And I have to remind myself of that in the way that I approach every single day, because number one, it allows me to exist in freedom because I don't have to be in control of the things that I'm walking into. And right now I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous about the season I'm walking into. I'm going through a lot of change right now. I'm only at home, my family in Gores, Alabama for just a few more days. I'm leaving in I think five days to move officially full-time to Nashville. And it's a program that is going to be extremely rigorous. It's only one year, but it's really like a two to three year program packed mm. into 10 months. And I haven't had school since before my years Miss Alabama. And so I feel like ill-equipped almost to step into this. I feel imposter syndrome a lot because that's the enemy likes to use that a lot in Mm -hmm. my life specifically. It's something I deal with is imposter syndrome. Am I good enough for this? I don't know as much as my peers do. You know, we all feel that I think sometimes. And so I have learned so much specifically right now, continually about what it means to surrender because I believe that God does not call us to something that he won't carry us through. Mm. And so that's kind of how I've learned how to approach just being quote unquote busy and having a life where I have so much going on because I just, the burden becomes off of me whenever I surrender it to God. And whenever I ask God, God, you take this and Mm. and do what, what you want in my life every single day. And please help me not to get in the way of that. And so again, have to remind myself that every day and surrender every day, but um, God has been so faithful. Yeah, that's really good. You said a couple of things. Uh, one of them really is, is straight biblical, and that is continue to surrender to God over and over again. And I was reminded in that time where Luke writes that, uh, you know, we're to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if we're not willing to surrender our life, then what are we doing? And mm-hmm. so that is very good that you, in a real sense, gave us that 
example and spoke to that. You know, several, I think it's months now ago, we had a young lady named Kayla Ammerman do uh, something on our podcast called Monday Motivation. And she talked about idolizing your future. She talked about how you're, you know, a person can get so focused on something to come that they begin to make it an idol. And so when you talked about becoming Miss Alabama, you know, it, it, I wrote that down. Uh, things easily become idols, idolizing your future. And so it's interesting yeah. that that thought. I had never thought about it before until she said it. And then now here you're saying it. And that was what jumped in my head. So I would encourage our listeners, you know, take this example. Uh, you may not even realize it. You said, uh, I just wanted you to unpack it a little bit. You said that it was when Miss Alabama got canceled because of COVID, you were crushed. Could you take us through a little bit of, you know, those emotions so that, and then how did you realize, wow, I was idolizing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, this was a huge pivotal point in my walk with the Lord and and, and what it meant to, to surrender and learning so much about that. But I remember where I was when I got this email and and so vividly just feeling like a, such a blow to my chest. Mm-hmm. Like it was it felt like something that I had visualized for myself over and over and over again was just completely plucked out of my hands. And I felt so powerless. And I think that that's how I knew I had been trying to control it. And, and it had become an idol that I had wrapped my hands around so tightly because of the powerlessness that I felt. And I think that so many people may think that a a believing life, a Christian life is actually, you're, you're becoming less free because you're having to follow quote unquote rules. That's what a lot of Um, culture thinks about believers, right? But I think that when we truly are surrendered and truly embedded in the heart and will of Christ, we don't feel powerless. We feel free. We feel Mm. weightless. And it actually releases us from so many chains rather than binding us tighter. And so when I felt that feeling, I knew that the enemy had come into that and that I had allowed the enemy to come into that and that I need to surrender all over again. And I started praying so fervently about what that summer was going to look like because I had no plans that summer. Um, I'm going into finance and it's really important and and the jobs that I wanted to get to have a summer internship. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those summer internships are all summer long. And Miss Alabama was smack in the middle of summer, a full week. And so it was nearly impossible to get a competitive summer internship for finance. So I had no internship. Miss Alabama was my plan. And so I had no summer plans. So I started praying and praying over a period of two days. And it is insane how some doors close. And then immediately God shows you when you start praying and you start believing that he's going to provide exactly why certain things happen so quickly. And, um, certain doors started opening and I was actually ahead on some of my credits for school for Auburn. And because of that summer of God taking away my plan, which was to compete in Miss Alabama, he opened the door almost immediately to taking summer classes. And I took 17 hours that summer while studying for the GMAT graduate school entrance exam. Mm. And he gave me a new desire to pursue graduate school, which was 
nowhere on my radar. But because of that summer, I was able to graduate from Auburn University in three years instead of four and be accepted to Vanderbilt University for my master's degree. And none of that at all was on my radar. And none Mm. of that was something that I was trying to speak into existence or holding on tightly to. It was like, all of a sudden, God just made these things happen out of nothing. And it reminds me of that verse in scripture, how God can make rivers flow through the desert when there's been nothing there before. And Mm. it felt like God had breathed new life into my journey and in my story and what he was writing for me. And so it was just so so encouraging to me and it continues to be encouraging to me to look back on this. And I hope that it's encouraging for others that the things that we write for ourselves sometimes are not even close and pale in comparison to the beauty that God has waiting for us just a few steps down the road. And so even when it seems like a door has slammed shut in our face, um, God has something so beautiful right around the corner. And I've learned that day in and day out. I've learned that through my Miss America journey Mm -hmm. and what happened with my story there. So absolutely, God has been so faithful in that. Praise God. That's good. You know, I tell people, Agape Leaders started in 2017. That's when this organization kind of came to light. And at that point, I thought, okay, this is what you know, I think Agape Leaders is going to do. So right now, we're blessed. We have a podcast. Uh, We do something called Word Wednesday on the podcast. We do uh, Monday Motivation. And this now chats with Dr. Greg Mays. And the funny thing is, in 2017, none of that was on the table. Didn't even know it could come into existence. And I wrote a book. That book you see back in wow. the corner right there, all of that, after I had I had no thought of that. So it's interesting that you would, you know, you also, here's your thinking, I'm going to be Miss Alabama, and you did become Miss Alabama. But it was almost like God said, well, Lauren, I have something else for you. You're going to be Miss Alabama, but I want you to do this other thing first. So, right. so I think that's, that's uh, cool. And I wanted you to, uh, you said... We, being a Christian is actually more freeing, and I might be putting some words in your mouth, and I wrote down this, you can make the choice. In other words, you're allowed to choose whatever you want, but then the question is, will you choose Christ? What what are your thoughts on on that idea? I think people, when they say, uh, oh, you know, there's so many rules, using your, your word, there's so many rules. What do you say, just going back to unpack that a little bit for people, you can choose anything, but you choose Christ. And so can you kind of unpack that? Why is that not constricting? Why is that free? Right. I think that it's sometimes people might get confused from the outside looking in if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus about the fact that it is so relational and it is something where God comes into your heart and he saves you, but you also have the choice to choose him back. And we, every single person walking on this earth, you know, has that choice before they die. And so before we go to meet Jesus, are we going to choose to live a life with him, choose to surrender and believe in him or not? And that's also a choice in how we exist. Once we have chosen him, are we going to choose him day in and day out and choose to be in relationship with him. It's just like having a spouse. I don't have a spouse and I don't have personal experience with this yet, but 
you have to choose your spouse, you know, again and again. It's not something where you say yes on your wedding day and then it just kind of happens from there. Like you have to actively choose to show up and be in that relationship. And so when you do that, it's so freeing. And sometimes I remind myself, sometimes I think I don't have time to spend with God and I don't have time to spend with my best friend and my savior and the king of the universe. But then whenever I do spend time with him, even in the moments that I don't feel like I have time, it's like God allows me to accomplish more that day. He allows time to almost expand. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. It's, it's like a relationship with the Lord opens doors to freedom and releasing you from chains too, because he exposes light on what it is that is causing you to feel chained. And I, I love the word countercultural. That has been a word that I think that you probably identify with, with agape leaders and what you're doing and what it means for people to be countercultural. And, and that's been my message as Miss Alabama as well this past year. And it seems so counterintuitive, so much of what it is to be a believer, but it actually is so much more freeing in the sense that one, like I, what I just said, that our chains are exposed. God allows us to see our sin for what it is. And so for me, that was going throughout my story and realizing that Miss Alabama was an idol for my heart and continually realizing what imposter syndrome is and not feeling equipped to what God has called me to. Those are some things that I struggle with. He exposes that and allows me the opportunity to release that burden to him because like it says in his word, his yoke is easy. His burden is light and he wants to take that off of us. And so when we continue to choose him again and again, just to wrap it up together, you know, bringing it together, when we choose him again and again, that also allows us the freedom to, to give him what it is that is troubling our hearts, that is burdening us down and the chains that wrap us. And so he brings light to that. He brings grace in that. And there is no harsh judgment whenever we are in a relationship with Jesus. He loves us and he wants our burden to feel light. And he wants us to feel free in, in the light of his grace. And so all of those things allow for a life of just so much more fulfillment than mm -hmm. this culture really could ever provide. So I have a question for you. And I, I think that it's something that the listeners will want to learn. And that is you, you had the moment where you realized becoming Miss Alabama, your, your pursuit of becoming Miss Alabama was a bit of an idol. So can you tell us how were you able to reconcile that? Because you're forever Miss Alabama. You did continue down that path. How were you able to reconcile that? Could you give someone some tips? Because maybe they're chasing something and they're realizing mm, this is a bit of an idol, but you were able to go get it and still be this humble person that we're hearing from. Well, thank you. I mean, it, it, it just is one of those things like what I mentioned earlier, how something that even, even if it is on our path, even if it is something that we so believe God has called us to, we can still cling onto it too tightly and make it more about our path, about our story, about our name. And I think that whenever we realize that something is an idol and, and we first of all, pray for the Lord to expose what it is in our hearts that is that is the idol. Um, I think that then, even if it's a part of our story, if it's a dream college that you're trying to get into or um, a job promotion or whatever it is that you believe God has called you to do, you can pursue that with fervor and with stamina and charisma. And it says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it with enthusiasm as something done for the Lord and not for men. 
And I think that that's the key. Whenever we're pursuing what we believe is on our path, who is it that we're doing it for? Is it for a show? Is it for name recognition? Is it for fame or is it for the glory of the Lord? Because he has called us to do that in order to further his name and his purpose for our lives. And I think that when that shift happens, it is so monumental because even the small things in my preparation for the title, whenever I shifted my mindset, it was like even reading the news, something that I hated to do before. <laughs> I, I was able to do that with enthusiasm and prepare with enthusiasm, knowing that if I was able to obtain this title, then I could use it for something so much greater than myself and my own name. And it's so easy to slip back from that. And it's so easy to hear words from the culture and affirmation from our culture. And that is something you have to surrender over and over again. But there is so much grace in that. And I think that you know, just like the motives and the heart and the heart behind what you do completely changes. And I think you can tell when someone's motives are in their heart and their eyes. And, and if there's a weightlessness about them, that seems to come from Jesus, or you can kind of tell when someone is pursuing it for their own glory. And I think that God gives us eyes to see that in ourselves too, whenever we pray for that. And when we pray for things that are in his will, he gives them to us. And I believe that praying for exposure about how we're approaching things, you know, God's going to provide light on that. So that is definitely something that um, continuing to learn about, but he has absolutely shown me so much. Praise God. Ooh, I could, I could just sit and, and listen to you. You have a heart for Christ and that's undeniable. So those Thank of you, you out there, you're wondering, how, how do you know? You just, you just, you just know uh, what passages, what Bible passages kind of carry you through like everybody has those those one or two that when stuff gets tight they just remind themselves and they speak that over their lives which passages do you speak over your life yeah okay so first is uh, nehemiah 8:10, and it is the joy of the lord is your strength and i think that that is just so good for everyone and in all seasons and literally for anything. I have personally been so affected by this verse just in this past year as Miss Alabama, because it was a more challenging year than I ever saw coming. I did not know um, how challenging it was going to be. And, and from the outside looking in something like that, that just seems so glamorous. And so, you know, oh my goodness, this is so cool. There is just so many struggles that happen you know, for all job promotions and for all good things that mm. happen in our lives that sometimes people don't get to see the internal struggle that comes with that. And one of the things I struggled with my years, Miss Alabama was just overwhelmed with how busy I was. And, and that affected me. That affects so many people, right? We're all so busy with what we have going on in our lives, but I was in a, in a unique situation that I had ever been in before, because every day I had something where I was going somewhere, say one day it would be a school of middle school kids who are at such an impressionable age. Mm -hmm. And I was expected to stand and for an hour speak life to students, right? What I believe God had called me to do. That's what my job now provided me the opportunity to do as Miss Alabama. But so much of it was so much travel every single day, so many miles traveled, I would have to drive maybe four hours and then get out of the car and deliver a speech. And maybe from the outside, it doesn't sound that hard. But 
when it's every single day and so much travel and such little sleep, it wore me down so fast. And I am realized, I think a lot this past year that I'm an extrovert and introvert. And I really do get a lot of um, recharge. I need my time alone and in solitude. I think we all do, especially alone with Jesus. Solitude is such a beautiful thing. And he speaks to us so much in solitude, but I was getting very little of that. Mm -hmm. And so just, I was exhausted. And, and I one day woke up and I just felt so heavy with the sense of how am I going to inspire these 15 year olds when I don't even feel inspired. And, and that's, that was something that I realized I had to give to God. And that, that was something that I hadn't really fully surrendered yet about my stamina and just my energy. And once I started praying over that, and once I realized that that was a problem for my day in and day out, the Lord gave supernatural strength. And mm. it is crazy what he can do in, in providing in seasons when you feel like there is no other way, like how is this ever going to be accomplished? Like the Lord provides a way when it's being done for his glory and when it's being done for his will. And so I clung to that passage in Nehemiah 8, 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength because no human affirmation, yeah. no amount of hours of sleep at night, no amount of any external thing was really going to be my strength other mm. than the joy of the Lord. And so I learned so much about that. And plus the book of Nehemiah, especially for purposes and agape leaders. I mean, Nehemiah was an incredible leader, right? Yeah. We saw so much about what he did to guide his people to accomplish God's purpose. So I have been personally so impacted by the book of Nehemiah and especially that passage. Praise God. You know, God moment. I am blessed to take about a hundred people or so per day. I send them passages and I'm trying to take all of us through the entire Bible. It's probably been about three or four years where I just send them a little bit, little bit. And so this year I'm going to finish the Bible for them. And we, yesterday, we just finished Nehemiah. No way. So it's kind of neat that your, your verse that you kind of cling to comes out of Nehemiah and we just finished it yesterday. We started Job this morning. And so, uh, you know, that, that's kind of neat. Yes. And so I I got a great picture because I because I just went through it. You know, when, she, when Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength, you know, there's so much turmoil and hard work going around. I think your life is a perfect picture of that passage. I think you chose very well when you chose that. <laughs> that passage there. Uh, So uh, we are going to, I like to use this expression, land the podcast. But before we do, um, would you tell us how we can reach out to you? Now, ladies and gentlemen, Lauren told you she's about to go do one year of college, but it's going to feel like three. So don't be reaching out, asking (laughs) her for all kinds of stuff. You know, you can encourage her and send her scripture <laughs> passages, you know, but don't don't try to pull on her time. <laughs> leave, leave that to me. <laughs> how, Thank you for how, that. <laughs> how can people reach out to you? 
Yeah. Well, on social media, my Instagram page is Lauren Bradford five. And I also have a website with some more information about some things I'm passionate about. And it's uh, the Lauren Bradford And okay. so that has a lot of information on it and some links to other websites that I've made. So a cause that I'm really passionate about that I use in my years in Alabama, but I've really been advocating for the past seven years and continuing to do so now is called unplug the digital diet plan. And it's about the overuse of technology and how we can find a balance of our use of technology and not let that completely overrule our lives. Because as we know, technology is all around us and is a tool. So I'm continuing to speak about that. So if you want information about this program that I do and um, how it can impact all people of all ages, there's a lot of information on that website as well. So thank you for asking about how to stay connected. would love to stay connected with um, everyone who's listening and especially you, Dr. Greg. So <laughs> Thank Praise you again. <laughs> Praise God. Well, will you give the people an encouraging word, encourage them as we get ready to get off here? Yeah, of course. I, something that I'm continually reminded of, and I'll go back to this, is just what it means to be countercultural. And it says in God's word that we're not called to look like everyone else, right? We're not called to exist like everyone else, and to, but instead to be transformed by the renewing of our mm. minds. And I think that I think that we really should take that super personally and the way in which we exist in our lives. And so I always want to encourage in the sense that it is hard to live in a way that is different from our peers whenever everyone is doing the the fun thing or the trendy thing that we know is really not honoring the Lord what it really means to live in such a way that is countercultural but more importantly just completely pointing to Jesus. And so I want to encourage anyone out there who feels alone in their pursuit of this, who feels alone in their pursuit of what it means to be sometimes ambitious, sometimes ambition um, can be looked down upon by peers. I struggle with that a lot growing up and, and feeling alone and feeling isolated in my journey to pursue excellence, which I know is part of your journey. Part of your mission is what it means to show people how we can pursue God while also pursuing excellence. And I love that so much because so often we feel alone in that. And I just want to encourage you, you're not alone. And God's people are out there and we have to seek for them and, and God will provide them when we pray for that. But I just speak blessing over every single person and pray for boldness for the people who are listening, pray for empowerment, pray for supernatural strength for all of you who are listening, because I really believe that in any, any season, any day, any situation, even though it is so hard sometimes to look so set apart, I believe that God has called us for such a time as this. God has called us to step up and to speak out and to be bold for his name. And so I encourage you to pursue what it means to be countercultural in all of your spaces. And God is going to provide so much good fruit whenever, whenever we obey him in that. And so that's kind of the message that I've been clinging to so much and I'm constantly reminded of. So I love to end on that. Just what it means to be countercultural, to do hard things, even when it seems like no one else is doing it, or even when no one seems to understand around you, because God honors that and he sees that and, um, and God loves you and just be encouraged by the fact that he loves you with every fiber of his being. And how lucky are we to be loved so deeply by the King of the universe and, and what a gift it is that we have this hope. 
with him in eternity. So what is there to lose? Like Paul says, kind of all is lost for the sake of knowing Christ and mm. just pray that we can all make that so personal for our own lives and, and in our day, day to day. So sending all the love to all the listeners and, um, and I'm so with you on all of this and, and God is so good. Praise God. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to hear the uh, finished episode, but God bless everyone. And thank you so much, Dr. Gray. Well, I think I have a new good friend. Lauren Bradford is an amazing woman of God. And I am so thankful that she gave us the time to come and spend a little bit of time with us today. I loved how she talked about how pursuing Miss Alabama kind of became an idol to her. And it was COVID and the realization that Miss Alabama was not gonna happen, that kind of opened her eyes to that. And God honored her, that realization. I think God honors us when we realize and we confess kind of our shortcomings to him and we repent and i believe that that's what happened there is she really turned away from idolizing miss alabama and so it was almost as if god said okay now you can be miss alabama and she has done she did an amazing job uh, throughout her time in that position and now we pray that she will go on to uh, her next phase and continue to keep god first well, that's all we have for this week's podcast, the Agape Leaders episode. And until next time, you have a blessed week.